we are continuing with our series. Uh, we want to thank uh, the Lord for uh, the presence of uh, our sister, our precious sister, Sister Alice, Jesus Christ. We thank God for coming along. Amen. Sorry, we are international for the first news. Just stay with us. We are just a little fellowship, just trying to do the little that we can out here in Watford. And by God's grace, we trust that the Lord will proceed. We have a vision given of the Lord, a true vision given of God. And God is a vision, people can continue on. So because we have a vision that God has given unto us, we have picked upon the inspiration of the Patmos vision, and we are trying to go along the Patmos vision, but our the background of the Patmos vision, we have a vision of what for? What the Lord put upon our hearts and the vision that he has given unto us. And the vision can only come to pass when the prophecy of the vision has been brought to pass. That's when the people can say the prophecy has been fulfilled. But right now we are walking in the vision. Amen. So we'll start with the reading of the scripture before we get into the message. Amen. In Revelation chapter 1, we'll be starting on verse 9. We'll be starting from verse 9, so we'll pick up from verse 9 when we'll get to our scripture. Amen. Is this working? Okay. Okay, our scripture today is on 15. Amen. But we'll start from verse 9. And I, John, was also a your brother and companion in tribulation and in kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we went through this saying John was on Patmos for two years, 95 to 96 AD. But when he wrote these things, it just seems like he was just writing it for a short period of time. But he was writing these things for two years. Amen. And I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and then behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Amen. Hallelujah. So there was a voice as of a trumpet that John heard on the Lord's day. And went through what the Lord's day meant, the Sabbath day meant the day of rest. When you can even get in the Lord's day today, as you wait upon the Lord's day coming of the Sabbath day, the millennium. Hallelujah. And then behind me the voice of a trumpet. And the voice we knew it was the voice of one that he had seen who are going to talk to him. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Amen. So the one who is Alpha and Omega is God Himself. Amen. He's got no beginning, he's got no end. Hallelujah. He was always there, he always will be there, and he is now. Hallelujah. Amen. So John was hearing it straight from the host's mouth, was God Himself. Hallelujah. He says, What thou sayest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus. Amen. He said, You should get to know these cities by name. Unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pegamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Amen. Seven cities which were in a, in a particular area called Asia Minor, today better known as Turkey. Amen. If you go into Turkey, the country, for those of you who might want to travel in, good place to go and travel into Turkey, though there are troubles there anyway, wars and fighting going on. But in those in that Turkey, these cities still remain. These cities, which were known as the seven churches, were representative for a particular characteristics of what God was going to do in the upcoming 2,000 years to come. Hallelujah. But John was being shown how these cities, each of them, with particular characteristics of them, was typifying of an age that was going to come. Amen. Amen. And I turned to see a voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Went through that the menorah, the lampstick, the lamp of God, hallelujah. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto a son of man, 
clothed with a garment. Hallelujah. This is our sermon last week. That the one that was there was clothed with a garment up to his foot. Amen. And that how typified the bride is God that about with the paps, with the golden candle. Hallelujah. And I love this last sermon because I didn't know of the golden candle until that sermon. Glory be to God. The golden candle representing the truth, the word of God. And if it's golden, it's meant to deity. And now we saw that Jeremiah is saying a, 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 a ghetto. A ghetto is a belt. And it was mad. And the, a ghetto, it has been mad, means it was good for nothing. And when the gospel is mad, it is good for nothing. And if you mad the gospel by adding one word to it, or subtracting another word from it, that gospel becomes good for nothing. It cannot save, it cannot heal, it cannot do anything because you have tempered with the word of God. Because the Bible says if you add to the to the book of to the book of life, it's a plague you'll be added unto this. And if you take away from the book of life, your name shall be taken out of the book of life. So it's a disaster. Just add one word. If did it, and today we are all around of us, all in this situation, because of one word that she believed, that was added by the devil and deceived her. Amen. Oh, yes, I might get ahead of myself. Let us go and sing uh, and, um, and um, read verse 15, because this is where we are. Now, in, um, in, in, if you were to look, oh, sorry, verse 14. And this head and this hair were white like wool, and as white as snow, and these eyes were as a flame of fire. From verse 14 onwards, we are getting a description of certain characteristics of this man that was speaking to, to John. Amen. And the Bible speaks upon these seven characteristics, the seven, the sevenfold glory on purpose of God. Amen. But we have only touched two of them last week. When you touch on the hair like wool, and when you touch on the eyes. So today we want to touch on two more, which is the feet and the voice. Amen. Hallelujah. So we read on verse 15 now where we are coming to before we take our seats. And his feet, the third one, I just put it for your for your understanding. Like unto fine grass, as they were, as they bent in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of the way to make it today. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, when we come to the house of the Lord, you might think that we are few, but we do not consider ourselves few. We look upon all who preach and consider that when we are preaching, we are preaching this gospel to every bride member of the Lord Jesus Christ that will come to Watford. Because we have got a vision for Watford. So sometimes when we are preaching the word of God, we are casting the whole net. It casts and it catches whosoever will come. So as whosoever will come, it means even them that are going to come. Even them that are sitting on the empty seats, even them that are going to come and go back, even them, we preach as if we are preaching to one, we can preach as if we are preaching to thousands. We don't have a limitation of how many we are. The number of people doesn't matter unto us. What matters is that the one who is here is God himself. Amen. And that is the one that we want to, to worship and adore and serve and hear from the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we come to the house of the Lord to hear from God, not to hear from a man, not to hear from a brother, not to hear from a sister, not to hear from somebody, but to pray that, Lord God, may I hear something that will give me eternal life today. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Glory be to God. So here we are starting about these characteristics. And we say that 
When we're talking about characteristics, that a characteristic is a particular feature of somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. That they have, which is, which is distinct them today. Mm. If we are to use the examples which you can see today, so that it can become so interactive, you know, every one of us today have got here. Except me, I'm a few years there. But that's my characteristic. For you, you can tell when I put this board, you can see me, it's my characteristic. Or the board is saying, you have got here, that is tied up on your head. And that's Peter's characteristic for today. If we were to say, who in this house has got hair tied up, Bila would stand up. Because she is the only one who's got that hair that is tied up like that. Amen. It's a characteristic. If Bila were to do that characteristic and on day-to-day basis, Bila would be known that, ah, when you see a girl walking with a, with a tied up hair or legs, that would be Bila. People would be, able, would be able to identify her by her characteristic. Amen. Mm. So God has got certain characteristics that he does. Amen. Mm. Glory be to God. And these characteristics identify him. Amen. Amen. So when John was seeing on the Patmos vision, there were particular characteristics that he saw to the one that was speaking before him. Mm. And when he saw these characteristics, he started describing those characteristics. Amen. Amen. And we want to go through those characteristics to see how each one of those characteristics had an identity to the one that was speaking to John. Amen. Amen. We already know that the one that was speaking to John said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Which means that it was somebody who was always there and who will always be there. Hallelujah. Amen. And we went through the characteristics as an identity to find that he had to hear like wool as a judge. Amen. And his eyes as flames of fire. Amen. Mm. So today we want to go through the next characteristics, which were the feet, as fine brass, and the voice of many waters. By the way, if you are able, I don't know how you can do it. But at a later stage, I want you to connect the, the, the laptop to a particular portion of the voice of God. And that's how you do it. I'll tell you when to come in for and connect the voice of God. If you can. If not, I'll try to do it from this mobile phone. Maybe I'll try to do it from this mobile phone. Anyway, let's just continue for now. So God's characteristics in John in, in the scripture reading in chapter in chapter five of Saint John, we hear something here about what God says about himself. Amen. The prophet preached two messages which were in talking about characteristics. And I said last time if you had the time, you could go and identify these characteristics. In, in terms of characteristics, the prophet preached a message called God identifying himself by his own characteristics. Those messages, if we to listen to what the prophet, who is, we know would live in the prophet being William Marion Branham, you will see in each one of those messages that he spoke about God identifying himself with his own characteristics. It means that God was repeatedly doing certain things that is known to be doing. Like when the prophet goes to speak of when, when God came down and spoke to Abraham and Sarah and turned his back and defend what was in Sarah's heart, that was a particular characteristic. Mm-hmm. And that same characteristic was shown when Nathaniel was being called. He said, thou art a man with no cow. He said, why did you know me that before Philip called thee, I know thee. When you're sitting under the tree and sleep, Nathaniel was sitting under the tree 15 miles away from where they were. Mm. And that's when Philip and Nathaniel had met. So that was another characteristic, same characteristic. Mm. And the woman in the world, he said, 
I know you got the five bars, but the, the, one, the one that you hate is not yours. That was another characteristic being displayed. So those characteristics, the prophet was showing that God has always been identified with this particular characteristic. Amen. 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 And then he said they've been shown to the to the to the Jews, it was shown to the Samaritans, but now it was being shown to the Gentiles through the life of William Aaron Branham, whom God borrowed to show forth that Zenith sign of the Messiah. Amen. Amen. The Messiah sign, which is the Zenith sign of the Messiah, could only be given to one man in a generation, and that was William Aaron Branham. But others might have it as a prophetic gift. Amen. Which is only a prophetic gift, but the one who has the sign to identify that the Messiah has come back was one man named William Marion Burnham. Hallelujah. A lot of people put confusion upon the presentment of, of, of prophets. I don't know why I'm going there. Presentment of prophets and the, the Messiah sign. They don't know the difference. The, the, the Messiah sign to identify that God has come in flesh was given to one man in the generation which was William Marion Burnham. Hallelujah. Glory to the God. Amen. But we've got gifts, gifts of spirit, gifts of discernment, gifts, and those several people have got them. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So in this characteristics of God, you want to see here, as we read upon this portion, certain characteristics that God has given unto us when he was in flesh. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life. Amen. Now these are steps. First, you've got to hear the word of God. Then you've got to believe on him that is speaking the word of God. Amen. Mm. And you've got to believe that him that is speaking the word of God has been sent. Amen. Mm. So God himself has come down and was dwelling in a body of himself named the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God has sent himself down. Hallelujah. And when he was himself down, you are saying, I've been sent from God above, but he that hears me, and believe it's me, believe it's what? That I've been sent from God. Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. Has everlasting life. Any ministry that goes out is going to be a sent ministry. Amen. You cannot go out without having somebody sent you. Amen. Mm. If I was to send Akil right now said, go and collect something from the car, Akil will go to the car because I have told him to go and collect something from the car. He's got a purpose. Amen. When God sent out Moses in a commission, Moses was sent with a message unto Egypt because God had the purpose of delivering the people of Israel from Egypt into the promised land. Amen. So God sent his men with a commission and a purpose for what they are supposed to be doing. Amen. Joshua was sent of God to go into the promised land and to divide the land. The purpose that Moses was sent was different to the purpose that Joshua was sent. Moses was sent to just collect them from Egypt to go to the promised land. They did not end up because they did not believe, most of them. But only two men, Joshua and Caleb, from Moses' commission. But on Joshua's commission, he was sent to go to divide the land and he separate each portion according to the tribes. So that was another commission. That was another sent. Hallelujah. And here we are, we are in what fault? We have been sent here with another purpose. Amen. Amen. There's a commission that we've been commissioned to do. The vision that we have for what fault is because they have been sent. We would not have been here if no one had sent us. Hallelujah. Amen. But God has sent us here, amen, with a message so that the people in my what fault could receive a message. 
Amen. 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 So that message that they have got to hear, they've got to hear us. Mm. We are the sent out ones. Amen. Amen. You and I together are the people that are being sent out. The people that have come to us are the people that are being sent out. But they've got to hear the word of God and believe on the word of God. But when they believe the word of God and they believe us that they've been sent off unto what for, then they shall have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We have to know why we are here. We have to know what we are doing so that we can have a purpose to what we are doing. And these people shall not come unto condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. There is a purpose. There is one purpose of getting everlasting for life, then there is another purpose of passing from death unto life. Amen. Now, God speaking in this, in this uh, paragraph unto the disciples, says, Very, very, I say unto you, the hour is, that's a future tense, coming. And now is, that's a present tense. Amen. So there's two things there. The hour is coming in future, and now is, amen, when the dead shall hear, and the voice of the, the, shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Amen. So today, if God's voice was to speak, and God's voice was to proclaim the people that are dead can hear the voice. They that hear, not all of them will hear, but some will hear, some will not hear. They that hear shall live. Amen. And they that hear not will not live. Amen. Hallelujah. But I want you to take notice that there is a twofold purpose there. There's one which is coming in the future, and there's one which is now is. Now the problem that we have with Christianity is that people always want to put the promises of God for another age or for somebody else in the future. Or they put the promise of God for some people that has happened in the past. They never can take the word of God for themselves that it is the present tense of God. Amen. Mm. When the word says now is, it means that we have to believe our faith is going to rise up in that scripture that if a dead person was to speak, was to lie dead, and God was to speak, God could still raise the person from death and life. Amen. That is fire that our faith should go just on one scripture. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. For as the Father has life in himself, so is he given to the Son to have life in himself. And has given him authority to execute judgment. Amen. So the Son, who has been given life, has also been given authority to execute judgment also. Because he is the Son of Man. Now it says, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming again in the future, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Mm. Now we're talking about that twofold purposes. That there's one which is in the future, and there's one which is now. Now this is talking about in the future. That all that be in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. And that they that have done good unto resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto resurrection of damnation. Now we know this scripture is talking about the, 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 the resurrection of everyone that shall rise. Because the scripture clearly identifies that all, it didn't say some. When the, when the rapture shall occur, those that sleep in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be resurrected unto eternal life. But not everyone shall resurrect. There are some that will not be in the rapture, who might have lied asleep, but they are not yet in the rapture, they will remain in death. 
So this is not talking about the rapture. This is not talking about the first resurrection. This is talking about another resurrection which is going to come when God is going to execute judgment. Because he's saying he has committed that execution of judgment to everyone that shall rise. Now, men that have been there since Adam and Eve until the last son or daughter that shall be born by a woman will all submit to judgment. Glory be to God. But there are some who take those judgments now. Hallelujah. And then there are some who shall take that judgment later. Amen. It's up to whoever will, where you will, where you choose to take your judgment in. Mm. Amen. Mm. I hope you will get to get to get get this as we go along. Yes. Amen. Mm. Now we look upon, I don't know whether I should start off with the with the quotation. If I can get this, if I can get the quotation. Alright, alright. Did I miss did I not put the quotation? I wanted to get the quotation from Alright, alright. I didn't bring the book. Alright, I'll just say it because I don't I don't have it. The prophet says when you are talking about about the about brass. I didn't put the quotation, but I, I, I'm, I'm quite acquainted with it. He says the brass has got a significant meaning in the word of God. Five brass means judgment. And brass has always been signified by judgment. And then he goes on to explain, as I was coming over here, that this brass, look at this, he's now speaking here. Look at, as if, look at what this was here, standing there. Brass, maybe this was what I was wanting, but I think I missed another one. What does brass speak of? Brass speaks of judgment. Divine judgment. So whenever, when you miss the word brass in the Bible, you should not the representative of judgment. And where do we see when this judgment was put a quote in Bible? Heaven says, look, judgment, brass speaks of divine judgment, past. Hallelujah. I like the fact that it's not just speaking of divine judgment, it's speaking of divine judgment that has already passed away. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You hear, look at the brass serpent in the wilderness. What did the brass serpent represent? The serpent represented sin. But being brass, Judgment already passed on sin. If you go back to when you read about Moses when he was coming from Egypt, the promised land, the children of Israel were so hard-hearted. They did not want to believe that Moses was going to take them from Egypt to the promised land. And this is the same as we come across as we are doing the work of evangelism in what court? We are going out to Watford, but our message, as it goes out to Watford, you should expect that it can have two folds. Mm. One will believe you, and some will not believe you. Amen. Mm. Some will be hearted, some will not be hearted. Amen. So what Moses had two sets of people, he made multitude. Some were believing unto Moses, some were not believing unto Moses. Amen. When those that believed not unto Moses, they got to a point when they started feeling sick in the wilderness. So Moses was told of God that go and make a brazen serpent. Amen. And when you make a brazen serpent out of brass, put a, a serpent upon it that goes around. Today in medical science, they've got that sign. I could have put it across, but I forgot to put it. They've got that sign that Moses was given. Amen. Mm. But that brazen serpent was representing something. It means that that serpent was sin. And we all have sinned. Amen. By representation of what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden, all men have come short of the glory of God. Amen. And by, by that being brass, it means that, that 
Amen. Amen. It was already judged. When was this judged? When God threw the love of God before the foundation of the world, knowing that humanity and men are going to fall, God took a lamb and cut it across the cross, and the blood was coming out of the lamb in his mortals before there was a world, before there was an atom. Hallelujah. God was taking a lamb to be a representation that his sin was going to be judged by the love of God. Amen. And he was saying that if you can look up unto that sin that has already been judged, then you can have life. Amen. When Jesus Christ came, he says, Moses lifted up the blood of the serpent. So if the Son of Man be lifted up, you shall draw all men unto me. So when you are here in Watford, our purpose is to lift up sins that are already judged by God. Many people, when they look upon a prostitute or a drunkard or somebody else, they, they condemn them. Instead of knowing that that person is in that condition, but that is sin or whatever condition that they are doing, whatever sin they are doing, is because they are caught up in a sin. But that is sin is already been judged when Christ died on the Calvary. Mm. Amen. So the message we have across as an evangelist is that we have to bring them to an awareness that what sin that they are in has already been judged. They do not have to be doing that sin. Otherwise, if they do not change that, there will be a punishment that goes along with it. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I don't know why I'm, I'm like this, but I'm feeling a bit on edge and charged up. May God give me grace. Amen. <clears throat> it says, grass also represented divine judgment at the altar when the sacrifice was killed. You know, when Moses was told to bring that altar, we spoke about it the other time, that there was an altar that they would come as a tabernacle. And the first thing that they did in that altar was to make a sacrifice before they entered into the tabernacle. So before they entered into that door, there was an altar. But that altar was made for a specific reason. Now they had to bring a lamp. They had to pass through a crowd of people, and there was a space between where their houses were and where the tabernacle is, so they would walk through in the midst of that space carrying a lamp. And which one, when they would see that they go look at Shamakumbe carrying that lamp of God unto the altar, they say, ah, 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 something has happened. And there's no smoke without fire. Yeah, he's carrying a lamp, going to the, the tabernacle, he has sinned. He's, he's going to die. But when Luke gets there at the tabernacle, he would offer his lamp as a sacrifice. But under that sacrifice, under that altar, there was a brass at the altar. The altar was made in such a way that the foundations of it was made of brass, which represented that that is sin, and so that judgment of whatever he had done, glory be to God, has already been passed. So Luke will not have to die because he's carrying a lamp of God to a brass altar. But today, we hear people that are in the world, they can do whatever they want, but when they're told, can you come to the house of the Lord with the love of God, so that ye, the love of God, you can offer the money of sacrifice, they do not want to. How will there be that judgment be passed if they are not bringing upon the altar of the door, on the sacrifice, the lamp of God that was sent before the foundation of the world? 
How important it is when you come to the house of the Lord that before we even touch, hallelujah, before we even start the song service, we have a moment of a quiet time when you are feeling the love of God and asking God's mercy upon the present altar. Representing whatever you have done before you started to worship God, you have to confess it. Amen. You have to confess it upon the altar. Least when, when you go into the tabernacle and you go into the holiest of holiest, you might die. And this is why the prophet had to bring back the altar that there's a quiet time. Amen. That quiet time is not just for you to just sit in here, sitting here, and then mm, no, 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 it's for you to start thinking. You know, what have I done today? Oh, this week. Oh my God, God forgive me. Oh Lord. You're bringing your present altar. Sin already judged. Let me let me go forward. I've been going on in our own life. And because I'm feeling on edge. Amen. So in the book of the, of the exposition of the seven church ages, in the five months section, so God, when God judged Israel for his sins in the days of Elijah, he withheld the rain, and the heavy heaven became as dust. Remember when, Joy, when, when Elijah was there, when he said, and the days of Elijah, they refused him. And the three years and six months there was no rain. And the ancient prophet said the sky looked like dust. Because they refused the message of Elijah, a prophet of their day and of their age. At that, at that time, the skies looked like grass. Divine judgment upon the nations. It was not just Israel, it was nations. Hallelujah. A typified example of this day, Elijah. Hallelujah. When people are refusing this day's message of Elijah that has been upon the earth, that has gone from every nation, there will be a judgment that follows for refusing the message of Elijah, the prophet. Amen. Amen. So we've got to realize that there's not, it's not, it's not only just a message of mercy, it's also a message that comes with judgment. Remember, the water that fell and was, 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 was saving Noah, it brought salvation to that company. It brought salvation unto, unto Noah and his family, but it brought death to all the other people that did not build in the ark. Mm. So the same message that Noah was preaching and said, build an ark, there's water coming, and the people were taking heed and his family went in the ark, the same message brought judgment unto others. Mm. The same message of, of Elijah this day is bringing salvation unto the bride of Jesus Christ going to the rapture. The same message will bring a divine judgment upon them that will refuse it. Because it's got the same message. And they are listening to Jezebel. Which when God gives, we will talk about later on. The out of his mouth, where am I now? It says, right, that the prophet went on to say, when he was preaching in the Patmos vision, that to show forth that God's wrath, that God is not just a God of, 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 of mercy and grace, he's also a God of, of, uh, of judgment. Remember, I, I, I think upon the fact that, um, you know, you can have uh, a mom, like we've got our precious mom here, and she, sometimes when she's cooking, she says, ah, blessings coming in, blessings coming in. Akio, come and eat, I come and eat. But when the moment Akio does something wrong, Akio, what have you done? She's still the same mom, but she's got two different pictures that she's doing. At one moment, she's trying to feed blessings, come and eat, come and eat. 
But when she says, Aja, what have you done? What is this? Same, same person, but he's now, he's now a bit worse. So God is also a God of mercy, but he's also a God of love. So here is how God defined it, how he changed it, how he sorted his wrath. He knew that if he was going to pour his wrath upon the face of the earth, because men had committed a sin in the garden of Eden, his wrath would be so fierce. So he committed the wrath of God upon himself. Amen. And out of his mouth, now if you go into the book of Revelation, which I will have a few minutes to just speak to, if I don't finish this message, I'll finish it on another time. I'm, I'm getting on edge because I'm thinking that if I don't finish it. So let me, let me come down and just relax and know that if I don't finish it, I'll finish it at another time. Because otherwise, I'll, I'll, I'll miss up what I really want to say. The Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 says, Okay, we've got a bit of time. And I saw heaven open, and behind a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And his eyes were as a sphere, as a, as a flame of fire, that we spoke last time. On his head were many crowns and a, and a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. You know, the Word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ, because in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? And the Word was made flesh upon us, and we dwelt among us, and we behold His glory, the glory of the only because of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And verse 14 says, and, and the armies which were in heaven followed Him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Amen? Amen. And out of the mouth doth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he should rule, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the saints in the wrath of Almighty God. So as he was coming forth, and he's showing forth in Revelations here, we say that he is coming upon this horse, but he is treading upon the wine press of the fairness of God. Of God. Remember when he spoke about the, the message about the wine press, that the wine press used to be a place where they would take all the grapes and then they'll put them in this wine press and then they'll go and they'll, they'll step upon them. But when they were stepping upon them, the juice would come out and then the wine would be collected in the wine press. Amen. But this wine press. Is the white place which has got the fairness of the wrath of God. So the fairness, which is the great, terrible fear of God and his anger, which no man has got such kind of anger as God has. Amen. But he was, was treading upon that white place with his feet of fine grass. Because we've been, we've been told that he's got feet of fine grass, as if they paint in a furnace. So the prophet was saying that as he was treading upon those white prayers, he is treading upon the wrath of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Right, let's just see, see what he says. What did he do? The wrath of God was upon us for being sinners. Is that right? Amen. God's wrath was not supposed to be on Jesus Christ. God's wrath and fairness was supposed to be on you or I because you and I had come through a sinful way. Amen. You and I, because we came through a sinful way, even if we were put in a box 
for seven years, for eight years, when you come out, the first word you might speak might be a lie. Just because of the way we were born. Amen. You and I cannot live according to the word of God because the nature of our flesh makes us want to desire the things of the flesh more than the things of God. Amen. Today we are battling each day when you go into the house, you wish you, you go and you want to read your Bible, but at the same time there's this PS4 or a mobile phone or a gadget that you want to go. When you don't read your Bible, you say, I'll read my Bible later, I'll read my Bible later. Why? Because the flesh has been born in sin, it's a sinful nature. There's a nature in the flesh that desires the things of the earth. Hallelujah. But that desire of God was to destroy that was put upon Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Is that right? No one could save himself. There's nothing we could do. We are all born in sin, shaped in iniquity, coming to the world speaking life. But what did he do? He came on the earth. Hallelujah. And he trained the white men. All the wrath of God was poured upon him. And someday those brothers will fit justice. Glory, when he comes, shall trade upon the Antichrist and all these enemies. Because he is trading upon his wrath. It's supposed to be that wrath to be put on you or I. But that wrath today should be maybe put upon Watford community or St. Albans, or Redfordshire, or Buckinghamshire, or wherever we shall go, and we are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's wrath and fierce anger is supposed to be upon them. Hallelujah. But here we are, we've got a vision for Watford, and the message that we have to bring for Watford is the message of salvation, to let them know that God's wrath that is supposed to be poured upon them has been poured on Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So on Jesus Christ, you yourself do not have to go through the pain of having to suffer. Hallelujah. When you are sick, you are sick because of another sin. But you don't have to be sick because Christ Jesus has already suffered the pain of your sickness. Hallelujah. You are bruised. Hallelujah. For our iniquity. Hallelujah. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Hallelujah. Which means the chastisement, the punishment that was supposed to go on us. It was put upon him so that we could have peace. Hallelujah. Yeah. The, 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 the healing that we are receiving was because he was stricken for our healing. So God's wrath and everything has been put upon him. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's the message we are carrying forth. And that's the message that we are bringing upon Watford. That's the commission that we have to go along for the vision in Watford. And as we preach along here, we are preaching unto everyone that will come along to the fellowship here to know that there is a grace when their sins, when they come in, they do not have to go out back with their sins. Because Christ Jesus has already suffered for them. Hallelujah. Mm. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. If I could imagine the amount of sins and punishment that I would have received because of my unbelief. Hallelujah. Oh, how amazing that grace is. So when you sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It's no longer just a song. It's an experience. <laughs> to know that all things that I could have been punished for, God took upon the punishment of it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Feet of grass. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about the Patmos vision is a vision for what was. And that characteristic of being feet of grass. Amen. In our, in our vision, traded down his enemies because he suffered and traded out the white press of the fairness. God's people have not yet seen the fairness of God. Just to give you an example, at one time, as we had just 
come down for for a moment. Jesus came down. The prophet will explain this question. At one time, Moses went into the mountain, and God brought on a table of stone his commandments. And when he came down, behold, the children of Israel had made another golden calf. And they were darting a corner was telling them, Everybody, let's worship this golden calf. It is the one that brought us out of Egypt. And God's wrath was upon him, was upon, upon Moses. The wrath and the fairness of God came down on Moses. And Moses and God just said, separate me. Just, just said, tell them that separate them me. Everyone that is on your side, just separate. I want to kill all of them at one moment, one, one go. That was the fairness of God. God was just so angry with what they did because they put an idolatry before them. And, and at that moment, right at that moment, there was a family that belonged to Moses. They just ran to where Moses was. Because Moses said, separate everyone that's on my side. Come on my side. And people just ran. You see me? And as they were running, the earth just opened up. And 3,000 souls just walked into the earth and closed. It didn't say they, 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 there was no, no funeral service or anything. It was just an opening of the earth and the closing, and 3,000 souls were closed. Perished at one moment. The fairness and the wrath of God. It's not a historical thing, it happened. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. But God later on repaid them because on, 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 on the day of Pentecost, after Peter preached, 3,000 souls came back to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And they were guilty. You know why I'm saying this? And they were guilty. Miserable worms as we are. Take our, the prophet is saying here, we are guilty, we are poor, we are miserable, worms as we are. And yet we stick our nose up and read some kind of an antiotic book. People don't know what an antiotic. Antiotic means something that does not believe in God. You know, there are so many books out there, but there are certain books that better against the word of God. Antiotic book. And try to think there's no God and say there's nothing like this and judgment can't come. Is it? There will always be two sets of people. There will be one set of people that will not believe it and there will be another set of people that will believe it. And you will take, you will take those grass feet and crush out his enemies. Let us go. In, most, in, 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 in their day, as they were going to the, to, the, 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 to the promised land, Paul later on speaks of them. says, why did he say today, if you hear his voice, had they not your heart as in the provocation? What happened in the provocation? As I was speaking, when the earth opened up, they just did not believe that God had commissioned Moses to take them from Egypt to the promised land. If they just believed in Moses himself and they said what Moses had said, they would have just gone through and spoiled the into the promised land. To this day, People are just going to believe that there's a message given to a one man named William Marion Branham, and if they take what William Branham Branham says, they can go into the promises of God and into rapture. Because all that we have need of, the prophet says, is lies in the chaps and the books. So everything that the prophet has said for the rapture, for a bride, for you and me, lies in those chaps and the books. Amen. Amen. So if we hear, hear, want to hear the voice of God speaking this day about taking us to a land that flows with milk and honey like it does in Moses' days, which is the rapture, we have to listen to the voice of God spoken by Malachi 4. Amen. Amen. And let a man examine himself. I was said I was going to come to this portion. 
a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that bread. You know, when you often have communion, people, many times this scripture is read, but they never really pay much emphasis on it, because sometimes you have communion frequently enough that you don't really understand what's going on. Because that bread is represented, it's a type. The bread you say we are eating is not going to save you, but it's only representing the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ himself, the body of Jesus Christ, which was the bread as a representative. The cup that you drink of is a representative of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. But before you can, can kind of come to that representative, it's a representative that when you come to the house of God, you are also partaking of the bread of life, which is the word of God given unto thee. You are also partaking of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which you have believed in, that you shall have salvation, you will believe in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you come into the house of the Lord, you are also examining yourself. You come not just to see one another, but you come and enter the house of God, you are also thinking, how is my life going to be in the mirror of God's weight? Hallelujah. How am I going to behave when the word of God is being given unto me? Am I going to change the way I see the things that I have been told of the word of God and the way I think about it myself? Amen. So you examine yourself as the word of God is being proclaimed unto thee. Each time when you come to the house of the Lord is an examination time, amen, of examining your heart, your soul, and everything. And he says, no, he is talking about communion, you take it as worthy. But he says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So the judgment that we put upon ourselves, that one that he says that he has committed and executed all judgment unto the Son, the Son is now putting that same judgment that he's going to give unto yourself. That you judge yourself. Mm. You've got a conscience. If you had taken sugar out of the kitchen and you're not supposed to take sugar out of the kitchen, you have stored it, and you come in the house of the Lord, and you know you have stored it. If you think there's a video going around the barrel these days of a design, you have taken sugar, you have taken sugar, no, no, no. It's the conscience. Your conscience has got to judge yourself. Amen. Judge how. People are often thinking that, ah, that one is a sinner, that one is not. But they are not even looking at themselves. When they are looking at it, that one, one finger is going there, one finger is there, and the three fingers are pointing at yourself. You've got to be judging yourself first. Not to judge others. Look at upon yourself how you are. How can you take a, a, a little drop in one eye when you've got a look in your own eye? The Bible says. You've got to look upon yourself first. Because you yourself is the most important person to be saved out of before you can start thinking about others. When I come to the house of the Lord, I don't want to be thinking about my left hand, my left hand, who's doing this. I want to be thinking about how I can be saved of God. Amen. Amen. So you judge yourself according to the word of God. Amen. And for this time, now Peter goes on to pick what Paul is saying. For the time is come, is come, he says, after the resurrection of Jesus. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Amen. So that fine wrath that is going to trade upon the Lord of God, God is putting that judgment in the house of God. It's good. There's a purpose that is being brought in the house of God. So when you come to the house of God, it's the house of mercy, but it's the same house of judgment. And when you are here in what for we want to make this place which will bring mercy to them that will confess their sin, but it also be a judgment to them that are coming over here and judging themselves. When people hear the word judgment, they get too scared. They fear. Because judgment has got an element of being, if you are caught out on the wrong side, you are wrong in punishment. But they don't know that it is yourself that is judging yourself. So you can judge yourself to be righteous. 
You can judge yourself to be holy. You can judge yourself to be the rapture. You can judge yourself to be oh, to be to be a good person. How do you judge yourself to be holy? That's just by confessing your sins and tying up in the word of God. Amen. When your conscience tells you that this is not right, what is right is this, then you do that, you judge yourself. No person is going to tell you, oh, go and, go and change your, 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 your trousers or your suit or anything. You just judge yourself. Imagine the prophet one day when he was in South Africa, he preached for, he, 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 he prayed for, for, for a neck, and the neck grew, and then they called an altar, and said, those that want Jesus Christ, show forth by his living of hands, and he prayed, and after their prayer, 30,000 people that did not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and immediately when they received their life to Jesus Christ, they judged themselves. They were wearing nothing. They started running, looking for clothing to wrap themselves around. No one told them to. It was them by their own conscience that they realized that they were sinned. So they went to judge themselves. That is what happens when the word of God comes. We judge ourselves. Amen. That is what happens when we shall ask people to come and fellowship among themselves. The word of God that is proclaimed, they should be able to judge Hallelujah. themselves. Amen. Amen. How they look beyond the word of God. And that is why we are here in Watford. We are here in Watford to bring a message of salvation. But we are not going to judge them. It's the word of God that is going to judge them. But we are not going to tell them you are wrong. You are right. Take your lipstick off. Take your earrings off. Take this, that. No, 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 no. It's the word of God that are bringing a conscience Amen. in their own heart Amen. to realize is it right or wrong to be judged in the way they are. Amen. When it starts from their own self, it's got a greater impact. Amen. If we just let them do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, they will just do it while we are there. Tomorrow they won't do it because it's not in the act. But if they judge themselves, hallelujah, they, they, you should not be judged. I remember when I received the word of God, my mother was sitting right on my left hand side, and the altar was called and said, if them that want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ show forth by the raising of your hand, I raised up my hand and my mother put it down, I raised up my other hand. Hallelujah. Why? Because I was judging myself. I knew I was guilty, I knew I was a sinner. I was not looking at what another person was doing, I was looking upon myself. Hallelujah. I, was, I, didn't want, I did not want to live in that sin. So I gave my life because I judged myself. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Let us go forth because of our time. Amen. And I still heard the songs. No, I'll skip this, but then I'll just talk about it briefly. We spoke about the ancient of days being hey, like white as wool, and the stone is free in Christ. And then the, the scripture in verse 10 says, And the first thing issued that came forth from before him. Take the context first, because if I rush, you will not get the context. Here, Daniel was being shown the white throne judgment, as we spoke earlier, that there will be a, there will be a time. When God shall bring a white stone judgment upon all that are in the grave. Amen. Mm. So here, Daniel, in Daniel 7, he's been shown that. Amen. He's been shown back then the white stone judgment. Amen. And as he's been shown the white stone judgment, he saw a failing steam issued and came forth before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him. And 10,000 times, 10,000 stood before him. This is before the judgment. Before the judgment has been set forth, he's seeing the sin. And as he's seeing the sin in a vision, he's seeing thousands, 
them thousand, you returning unto him. Ten thousand and ten thousand standing before him. The judgment is not yet started. And the judgment was set. And the books were opened. Hallelujah. You can go on to read the rest of Daniel chapter 7. It's a good moment to read about the white side stone judgment. But what we want to hear is to just take about this portion. What the prophet said, now watch. The Bible says the books were opened. Daniel, the books were opened. The book of the sinner and another book was opened. Who came with him? The prophet asked. Who was it coming here with him? Who was coming with the one that was sitting on the throne? When you read Daniel 7, you see that he was talking about the ancient of days. The one that we saw another characteristic that his hair was white as snow. Hallelujah. And his head like pure wool. But he that is coming upon this judgment seat and you hear that his feet that is treading upon the white face of the Lord of God are made of fine brass. And that fine brass is a symbol that is seen and divine judgment has already been passed. Not shall be passed, but has already been passed. Hallelujah. So if you confess your sins upon God's laws, upon Jesus Christ, your sins would already been passed. Do we not say that Malachi 4 would stand on the pulpit, and when you stand on the pulpit and bring other people, if he had not confessed your sin, he would put the mic aside and talk to you on the side. Why? Because he doesn't want your sin to be made public, and you would confess your sin, and then later on he said, Was that right? What I told you? Have you made that right? Now go, you may be healed. Why? Because you cannot be healed before your confession. You need to confess first your sins. Hallelujah. Amen. And then that sin, the who came with him, the church from the rapture. So this is after thousands are coming to minister in him after the rapture, coming with him. Oh, ten thousand of thousands, ten thousand, ten thousand of thousands came with him and ministered unto him. His wife, the bride. Oh, glory! His wife came with him, the church. Amen. So we are saying here in what falls, as we shall come upon the rapture, we need to have a representation, hallelujah, mm. of them that are going to minister with him, to minister to save him, hallelujah. Mm. And the wife says the husband, when she's cooking a meal, you not just to cook it and just leave it on the floor, like I often say to my wife, it needs to be saved. Saved, you have to put it in a plate and come and put it on the table and then say, yeah, you can eat. It, that is ministering. When I'm here and I'm putting the word of God, I haven't just prepared the word of God and kept it at home on slides. I've come here to save it, to minister unto it. Hallelujah. And as the word of God is being ministered, it has been ministered to the people of God. Hallelujah. And here, the bread of Jesus Christ was ministering unto him. Hallelujah. And as it was ministering unto him, the judgment was set. Meaning that it's a type. That the judgment has said as we minister the word of God, even this day, hallelujah, as the word of God is being proclaimed, the ministering is being proclaimed, the judgment is being proclaimed, and people are judging themselves, it is the divine judgment that you can claim that if I was lying yesterday, I will no longer lie. Your own conscience that tells you not to, and that I'm judging myself now, I'm no longer going to go back lying again. Hallelujah. Right now, not shall be. Because the word of God is being ministered, the Amen. books are set, the judgment is going forth. Hallelujah. Mm. That's how important it is to come to the house of God. Amen. When you come to the house of God, you have something knowing, oh, it's a Sunday. Oh, I've got to go to FA. Let me just rush off. Oh, oh there's mercy today, but there will be divine judgment. That which I did yesterday, it can be judged today. That 
which I'm struggling to overcome can be judged today. Or today is the day of my deliverance. Today is the day when I'm, I'm going to lose that thing. Today is the day. Claim it today. Make sure that it's personal. It's yours. Mm. Not somebody else. Yours. Personal. Mm. Make it so personal to you. It means your healing. That today is my healing. That is sickness which I hate. Today I shall have no more. If my sister can just pick up now and just realize that that tumor that might be said, God has already judged that tumor. Amen. The divine judgment has already passed on that tumor. The mm. time is to just confess the sins and say, I'm coming to get my deliverance. Amen. It's just a claim because you know the judgment which is supposed to be upon you has been passed. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm. Glory be to God. We're running out of time, but we'll get to this. A very, very attend to you. He that hears my words and believes on him has everlasting life. As you are hearing the word of God, you believe and you have everlasting life. And it's passed from judgment unto life. We were supposed to listen to this, talk this, this portion of scripture. But I think what we'll do is, in our next sermon, in our next service, because of our time, we shall start from there because I trouble connecting it. But I'll just brief it for you so that you would understand what's going on. Or if you have time, you have to look upon the pattern of vision, paragraph 187 to 201, in the text. I put those minutes there. You will see that on that minute, God probably saying the voice of many waters was the voice of the ministers. But as they were speaking, the God who believed. We being saved, and those who believe not, we being judged. Let we stand upon our feet. Amen. Amen. So we'll talk about the one characteristic of the voice of many waters. But it's the voice of many waters is so many golden nuggets into me that I could not just bring it down. I could not. I failed. I just thought maybe when you listen to this portion, you hear it from the prophets. How he says that characteristic of the voice of many waters is the voice of the message being proclaimed. So if you proclaim the message in what form? Or maybe it might not be in what form. Maybe it may be in your college. Maybe it might be at home. Maybe it might be at school. We are probably proclaiming a message which will bring judgment. And that judgment is for the people that hear, that believe on you, that has been sent to have everlasting life. If they can only judge themselves. You want to judge them. You have got to let them know that Christ is really divinely just their sins. My sins, your sins have been divinely just. Otherwise, the wrath of God will be upon us. Amen. My sins were higher than the mountain when my Lord satisfied me. My sins were bigger than the mountain Ma 